This opening day episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Hello Monday from LinkedIn. Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how to get the most from Monday and your career. Find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Thursday, March 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Happy opening day, my friend. Oh, finally. Finally. <laughs> Finally, you know, if there's one thing that I regret uh, in in getting to work with uh, Steve Broido again here, which is a rare treat, is that Dan uh, is not here to uh, chime in on opening day. Um, neither is he. Would be uh, he? Would be he's in Chicago at a uh, uh, some sort of conference, some sort of event that he goes to every year. Austin Morgan, who produces Industry Focus, is not here because he's at opening day at Nat Stadium. So. Uh, we're gonna we'll get to opening day. I'm not saying Steve can't handle some opening day talk and and contribute, but <laughs> I don't, I, even I don't know what sport you're talking. <laughs> about. <laughs> well, Steve is saying that. Um, we'll we'll get to opening day, and we'll yeah. probably bring Steve in again. Um, we're gonna zip into the full mailbag. We got we got to start with two companies that are um, in a similar line of business and are having eerily similar days, right down to what their stocks are doing. Uh, Lululemon Athletica. And PVH Corp. Uh, PVH is the parent company of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. Um, both companies reporting really good fourth quarters, both issuing strong guidance for 2019, and both stocks are up 15% this morning. Let's start with Lululemon Athletica. This what I mean in in the case of this stock, the stock's hitting an all-time high. Was there any downside to what you saw out of Lululemon? Because this was a great quarter, and their guidance for the full fiscal year was better than Wall Street was expecting. Now, yeah, not only was it better than Wall Street was expecting, uh, but it uh, is a company that has been beating its guidance regularly. I think for the past seven quarters, it's beaten its guidance. And so, uh, it'll be put into the category of um, oh, it should beat its guidance again, and as good as the guidance is, which I think is uh, double-digit comps for the quarter, low double digits, which is much higher than I think the mid-single digits, which was expected. Margins are improving uh, sort of across the board, except for they've made some investments um, in SG&A, but those are paying off, and, and the gross margin has improved quite a bit. So, you've got uh, You've got what you want in a retail stock, and this is a sort of a reminder that the death of retail has been somewhat exaggerated. But you've got stores opening, you've got more merchandise going through all the stores, and guiding to that continuing, and margins improving as a result of scale and uh, other efficiencies. And then on top of that, buying back some shares. Right, uh, five hundred million. I think they dedicated authorized to? to buy back another five hundred million. Yeah, it's a nice reminder that in the case of Lululemon, you've got a company that really has not gone the route of discounting as so many apparel retailers have done at various points. Oh my goodness, no! Uh, they so I was looking at the site to try to get a handle on what. The men's selection was because this is one of their growth opportunities is to expand into the men's category, which they are not known for, but which they provide, and uh, and so that 
if they get it right, uh, will be a lot more sales. And uh, I mean, they were the hoodies were like 150, 180 bucks, which I didn't know you could charge that much for a hoodie. But I'm not, as as you know, I am the worst dressed man in North America, and so I wouldn't know what to do with a hundred and eighty dollar hoodie. I'll just say that the hoodies that we sell at the Motley Fool Podcast Swag Shop, much less, much less than that. Probably not as high quality, but um, but we're definitely not charging one hundred and eighty bucks for that. Yeah, I'm lost enough on some of the fashion retail trends to not know what to do with at least one analyst report that I saw that said. You know, was was indicating that one thing the investors needed to keep in mind is that the move of Easter uh, into deep April from March would uh, beginning of um, April, late March last year. I think it was April first. Uh, means that there there will be a shift of sales from from March to April, and and so I was wondering. I mean, were were yoga pants a big part of the Easter celebration for the Hill family growing up? Because I just <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to connect the dots between Easter shopping and and Lululemon. And this was specifically about Lululemon. This was not about. It was a in a Lululemon retail. report. It was about retail generally for the, some of the trends. Um, and but it was in a report about Lululemon. And investors should just remember that this shift is going to move some uh, a bunch of sales. Do they? And s- I don't know. I mean, is this is this the attire that one goes to church in now? Yoga pants? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Unless is is it possible? Going to church, a little appreciated part of Easter, <laughs> right? Doesn't necessarily get as much attention as say the bunny. The bunny. The bunny's gotten all the headlines, but there in certain places there's still uh, Easter going. And I don't think uh, the church that I went to growing up would be yoga pants would have been appreciated. Lululemon. Do they have a line of bonnets that uh, don't get as much attention as the hoodies or the? Yoga pants. The Easter bonnet industry is not thriving, is my belief. That's probably true. Um, let's move on to PVH Corp. Uh, again, parent company of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger. So another one of those businesses that the uh, the brands that they own are, are much better known than the parent company. Uh, but it's basically the same report. They had a really good fourth quarter. Their guidance for the uh, full fiscal year looked good, and is any of this? I, I, clearly, I'm still reeling from the surprise of last week's IPO and the success that Levi Strauss had with the stock popping 30 percent on the opening day. And again, not to knock Levi's, it's a perfectly decent pair of jeans, but it's just jeans. Um, Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger. Um, arguably, uh, higher-end brands is pricing power part of what's happening here for PVH. Uh, to back up for a second and just um, to distinguish between the two, both of which at a stock level are having very good days, but from slightly different starting points, um, and that is Lululemon uh, is growing somewhere around. You know, comps were up 16 percent for the quarter, which is a really sort of eye-popping number, and, and total revenue is up 26 percent. So, you've got a stock that is growing, uh, a, a company that is growing quite rapidly, uh, and growing rapidly off of sort of all-time high achievements going into this, and and that is part of the justification for. Really, the question with Lululemon is what? What about the multiple? Is this really 
30 to 40 times earnings do you want to pay that for a fashion retailer because they can miss on fashion and you know Lululemon has at times and so that is the risk that you're taking with something that is growing as fast as as it is right now whereas PVH is trading at about 10 times earnings going into today and up a little bit from that but still it's at a multiple which is an attractive entry point to, to study any stock if it's trading at something like 10 times earnings. Why is it doing that? Is it in trouble? Is it, uh, you know, that's significantly lower than the market. And uh, PVH has run into some issues, but is, uh, I think, repositioning the Calvin Klein brand gave a big. Um, uh, a, Earnings, or they gave some guidance in in January and an announcement that the Calvin Klein brand was being repositioned in certain ways, and one of the big flagship stores was being shut down, and one of the designers they were parting ways with. Uh, so I, I think there was a greater degree of trepidation about where things were heading there, and and this report is uh, pretty good in terms of clarifying that things are on the right track. To what extent is PVH pushing online sales? Because in the case of Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, you've got two established brands. I would argue they're, um, they carry a decent amount of brand equity. These are, I think, well thought of brands. And so, to the extent that they're able to push those online, presumably that, that moves to the bottom line of PVH a little quicker than if they're just selling through sort of normal bricks and mortar channels. Yeah, I think everybody has to be doing some of that, but they're not as far along on that as say Lululemon, which is getting about 30% growth online, somewhere in that category. And these are a number of brands that you tend to find at a lot of different places. Uh, Izod and uh, Van Heusen and all all of the Calvin Klein and, and not so much individual stand up stores although there there are some uh, but the things that you would find in you know department store uh, so they're a little bit less responsible for nailing it online but that is certainly something that uh, you know is part of every retail brand now. Let's move off of apparel retail and move into discount retail with Five Below. Um, not quite as good a day for the stock, but it, it is up about five or six percent. Uh, five Below's guidance for 2019 was actually lower than what analysts were looking for, but the fourth quarter looked like it was still pretty strong for them. Yeah, this is a rapidly growing uh, company right now. They are. Uh, at somewhere around, I think, 750 stores, opened about 120 over the course of the year, net, a few closures, uh, plans to open 145 to 150 next year. So, that'll get them up to close to 900 stores. And so, growing the store count at 20 25% a year uh, is, is pretty aggressive. And they've done that while increasing comps uh, as well. So, uh, that is what you're looking for. Uh, not many places are able to grow store count as fast as uh, they have. They benefited um, 
uh, sorry, they had some of their numbers you have to parse out last year. I think in, uh, they had 53 weeks in their fiscal year, this year 52, and that extra week from last year came into the comparable quarter. Uh, but once you solve for all that, uh, you know, growing total sales about 30, 32% for the quarter, awfully good. I want to get to the store count in a second, but how did they manage to get 53 weeks into their fiscal year? Uh, this is something that, you know. Does that happen from time to time? Yeah, okay. retailers do. And, and every like seventh year, you got to solve that. Okay. Um, the store count. <laughs> because you don't have exactly 52 weeks in a year. You don't? No. Okay. No. <laughs> 52 <laughs> weeks plus an extra day, and then leap years plus two extra days. Okay, I haven't done the math on this, so I'm just going to trust. Fifty-two you. times seven is three hundred sixty-four. Well, that's how. That's why all, your your birthday comes on a, a later day each year than than the year before. You know what? We'll we'll agree to disagree on that. <laughs> um, um, let's get in all seriousness. Let's talk about the store count because that's surprising to me. Not that Five Below is doing well. I know they're doing well, and we've talked about them before. But that's a that is a growth that I don't remember the last time I heard about any company trying to grow their store count by that amount um, on a percentage basis year over for a couple of years in a row. Is that uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say this about a business that's done a really good job growing to this point? Is that? Overly aggressive? Is, is that it, wise? Is it sustainable? Is it why <laughs> a lot of companies have uh, run into trouble uh, growing store count that fast and from the size base they are? Uh, and so I think it's a legitimate question how wise that is. Uh, everything's going well seemingly at the moment, uh, but opening a new store every two to three days. Uh, and growing it at twenty percent ish compounded. Uh, I mean, that's it's declining a bit this year over last year in terms of the the percentage growth, but the actual total number of stores is going to be about twenty five more uh, this quarter than than last. Or sorry, this year than last year. So uh, I think it's a legitimate question for investors to keep an eye on whether that kind of expansion um, leads leads to problems, but. Uh, the quarter completed indicates that uh, those problems are not developing yet. This is a company based in Philadelphia. You were just up in Philadelphia for a bit. Did you stop by any Five Belows? Didn't stop by any Five Belows. I'm not the uh, teen demographic that they are <laughs> pointing you, toward. You were traveling with teenagers, though. I was traveling with teenagers, my my children. Um, but no, we did not make it to a five below. I'm, I'm uh, aware of uh, the location of a couple of them in the, in the greater Philadelphia area, uh, but uh, no, we didn't have time for that. We had a couple of other classic Philadelphia establishments. Wawa, of course. Wawa, of course. Rita's. Yeah. Rita's? Rita's. What's that? Cheesesteak? Uh, water ice. Water ice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there cheesesteak? I was. I believe it was National Cheesesteak Day while we were there, but we didn't get our hands on uh, any. Unfortunately, I, I, you say unfortunately like like you. That's an accident. That, that just sounds like a lack of effort on your part. You're in Philadelphia for crying out loud! It's <laughs> National Cheesesteak Day. What are you doing? We we had a busy schedule. Okay. Um, quick shout out to Hello Monday from LinkedIn. Uh, Sunday nights. Come on, we've all been there. 
at some point in our lives, we've all been there on a Sunday night when you start thinking about the work week ahead and you're just like, oh, and you make that noise. But what if Monday was something you could actually look forward to? Hello Monday is a podcast that examines work, how to change it, how to like it, maybe even possibly how to love it. Every week, host Jesse Hempel sits down with featured guests to investigate the role that work plays in our lives. And she does a great job doing it. Uh, I said this the other day. I talked to Jesse right before the show launched, and um, she really sort of outlined how she was thinking about the show, and and she's doing a great job with it. So check it out when you get a chance. When you're done listening to this podcast and all the other Motley Fool podcasts, you definitely want to check out Hello Monday. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, One more thing before we dip into the Fool mailbag, and that is uh, we're hiring here at the Motley Fool for all kinds of positions. So, uh, if you're looking for a job, check out careers.fool.com, particularly if you're someone uh, working in the SEO space. Do you know what SEO stands for? Yes, I do. I'm not going to make you say it. Search engine (laughs) optimization. Uh, Looking for SEO content strategists, technical strategists, and a host of other positions. So, uh, careers.fool.com. Check it out when you get a chance. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Great question from Sean Brewer at the University of Oklahoma. Go Sooners. You often talk about being a long-term investor and having positions in companies you believe in for the long run. However, I want your opinion on holding a short position for companies that you believe are mismanaged, poorly run, or have a business model that you don't believe in. Some shorts that I hold are in companies like Snapchat, Blue Apron, and a few others of the more recent IPO failures in the past three years. Would it be a mistake to hold long-term short positions in companies that are likely to become obsolete in the next five to ten years and are showing signs that they, are, that they already might be on their way out? Examples include BlackBerry, GoPro, Fitbit, or really any of the major department stores. Thank you, Sean. Great question. Um, and major department stores, uh, I'm assuming, on that category is uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, which had shares popped 30% the other day. And as Abby Mallon pointed out, a lot of that was due to short sellers saying, oh, activists are coming in? I am getting out of this thing right now. Um, it's a great question because we, we were talking uh, with Steve Broido right before we started taping about shorting and sort of like, I have never shorted a stock because I don't think I have the temperament for it. I don't think I could hold on because it's the sort of thing where you could be right about something and you could just be wrong with the timing and get whacked in the process. But what do you think about his question of holding for a long time? Well, as long, okay, as long as it as long as you end up being right and the, the company's going out of business and the stock is going to go to zero or nearly zero and, and sort of by definition, uh, that's a good thing to do as long as you're right. And Bed Bath & Beyond, particularly in the context of how uh, you know this was phrased, what about major department stores? I would have said Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, which we have kicked in the teeth a number of times uh, here, would have been sort of top of my list of things that I just don't understand how much longer it can survive with its current business plan. And yet, as a short, uh, it was it cost you 30% in a day. Now, whether that ends up being uh, the final chapter or not, I don't know. But I can think of a couple of different stories that um, from shorting from back in the day, the full port, which was an early 
online product uh, that the, the Motley Fool uh, had featured. And Bed Bath & Beyond was a, a short recommendation way, way, way back when. And I think it was written up in the first book, uh, Motley Fool Investor Guide, uh, as just based on mostly the price of the stock. So, and this is going back 20-some years. Uh, and I think that that short was covered uh, publicly, if I've got that right, uh, correctly. Uh, another a story which falls more into the category of uh, high-profile shorts that were discussed here, and you could look up the, the record of this, um, of a business that, that was shorted based on, this thing looks like it's going out of business, and which turned out to be, to be right, was um, Trump, Trump Hotels, DJT, uh, which was shorted. Yeah. In the full portfolio, and uh, the analysis was right, although the short wasn't held uh, long enough to get to the bankruptcy and the and the full payout. It was a profitable short. It was, it, yeah, and it was correct. The numbers told the story. This thing is incompetently run. It's got way too much debt. Can't pay back its debt, and it it's not a well run business. And um, that was, I think, that falls more into the example that that you're looking for here of of what would be a good long term uh, short, which is something which is, if you're right, this is inevitably going to zero. But you have to be much more on top of a short because they can go up thirty percent in a day, and you can lose fill in the blank x your money. You if you're wrong. You're not out a hundred percent of your money. You're out several hundred percent of your money. For anyone who hasn't uh, listened to David Gardner's weekly podcast, Rule Breaker Investing, um, this is, I think, a good opportunity to point out one of, if not absolutely my favorite episode, um, one of my favorite episodes of, of David's podcast, which is he relays this entire story about uh, meeting Donald Trump uh, along with. A couple other people from the Motley Fool investing team um, going up there to meet with him when David had publicly shorted the stock, which is this is a long time ago. This is um, when this sort of thing simply was not done. That people <laughs> came out and said, "Oh, I'm I'm shorting this stock, and this is why." Um, uh, so definitely check out that episode of of David's podcast if you haven't. The other thing I'll say is that I think that when you're looking to short a stock. Uh, as you said, you need to be on top of it because it can go south very quickly. The other thing is, you need to be more confident about that position in your portfolio than arguably any of the longs that you hold in your portfolio. And you need to be able to answer the question, okay, if I'm wrong and this stock goes up, why does the stock go up? And in the case of you know some businesses that are just loaded up with debt, and you know the the modern day example of that is Sears. When you just look at you know plenty of people have made money shorting Sears over the last decade, and it's because of among other things their mounting debt problem. But in the case of the companies that Sean lists, um, just to pick two, uh, GoPro and Fitbit, it's entirely possible that those two companies get acquired. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Fitbit uh, was bought in the next three years by someone else. Now, maybe they don't get bought out at some massive premium, 
but maybe it's enough of a premium. I don't know what his short, uh, you know, what his uh, price is. But um, you definitely need to be able to answer that question. Like, if I'm wrong, and something propels this stock higher, what is the most likely reason for that? Yeah, uh, and uh, somebody could acquire Fitbit um, really just for the the data uh, that that they could acquire there. That might have enormous amounts of value to somebody and. Uh, GoPro a little bit less so, I think. I mean, uh, it, GoPro uh, like Fitbit is a con- you know consumer uh, tech device, and those have a history of flaming out. Uh, whether it, you know it's BlackBerry, whether it's Palm Pilot, Palm. Um, the, Apple is really uh, the exception to the rule, and more of these very 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 hot consumer tech devices end up. Uh, facing competition uh, more rapidly than uh, the enthusiastic investors thought they would, uh, and and certainly that's been the case for GoPro as well. Uh, let's bring in our man behind the glass, Steve Broido. Uh, Steve, you've shorted one stock in your life. Do I have that right? I think so. I, I I had a nasty experience with United Airlines, and I was like, I'm gonna get them back. I'm gonna short the company. Wait, wait. As a as a customer, as you a had a customer, you had, had a bad experience. I had a bad experience, and I think I I held shares at the time. You're the only one, I think. <laughs> I think I am the only one. But uh, and boy, is that a talk about number one bad reasons to short a company? Is <laughs> because you personally had a bad experience. Boy, I, I t- I'm gonna learn them. <laughs> well, no, it did not happen. <laughs> I'm gonna send out a tweet. Tell them I shorted their company. Uh, before we wrap up, it's opening day. One of the things I like about opening day for Major League Baseball is walking around the office here at the Motley Fool, and uh, it, well, in the case of Austin Morgan and our friend Roger Friedman, looking at their empty desks and saying, "Oh, I know where they are. They're, they're not the reason they're not here in the office is they're at the game." But also just seeing people uh, fly in their team colors. People over in member services, there are a couple of guys wearing Yankees jerseys. Uh-huh. Um, someone in the investing group wearing a uh, Washington Nationals shirt. Uh, Rex Moore, he's got a St. Louis Cardinals hat on. It's, I like to see it. Nice as it is, it's it's also a reminder uh, of the absence of Bob Babala, who would yes <laughs> dress up a long time uh, editorial powerhouse uh, here at the Fool, Bob Babala, who yes. Bob, Bob, no one did opening day like Bob. No, he came in full Red Sox gear, uh, with with cleats, with cleats, with cleats, <laughs> not just the jersey, the not pants, just the, the pants. cleats, and uh, and bat. Uh, I'm not sure if he had a batter's helmet, but uh, he had both. Did he have both the, the cap and the batter's helmet? Yes, he did. Okay. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody did opening nobody day like did Bob. Opening Obala. day like Bob. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's the beginning of spring. Uh, there's there's uh, it's uh, on the very short list of great days of of every year. Yes, and I think the the old adage that hope springs eternal uh, is true. I was going to say for all teams and their fans, but realistically, there. <laughs> let's face it, there are some teams out there where it's just oh boy, they're just in for a, a world of pain. And yes, Baltimore Orioles fans, I'm looking at you, and I sympathize with you, because it's going to be a, a rough 2019 for that team. So I was looking at uh, opening day uh, rosters and uh, the salary schedules that are paid out, and uh, you know the Red Sox are still paying uh, Pablo Sandoval 19 million this year. Are you kidding? No. <laughs> 
Well, it pales in comparison, at least in terms of contract longevity, to the New York Mets paying Bobby Bonilla from now until the end of time. Uh, well, in in that category, uh, in the 2019 deferred salary column for the Red Sox is Manny Ramirez. Getting, you know, getting two million. You know what, Manny got us the 2004, so. He can, unlike Sandoval, you're That's, not going to begrudge yes. him that money. Manny Ramirez earned his money. The Panda Man, <laughs> not so much. I think the Yanks are still paying Rodriguez $4 million this year. Oh, good. I'm glad something <laughs> finally worked out for Alex Yank, Rodriguez. Yank, he's got $60 million on the uh, injured reserve list right now. Well, and, and you and I talked about this earlier, just to, to bring it back to investing, is that just as you can evaluate a company, you can look at their books, you can look at the industry they operate in, and you can be right on all of the numbers things. And there are always going to be things in investing that go wrong. There will always be sort of the intangibles. And when it comes to sports, and it doesn't matter if you're a fan of baseball, basketball, soccer, if you're a fan of any sport, you know that in sports, it's injuries. That the the X factor for so many teams in so many sports in a given season is injuries. They, you, you can look great when the season starts, and if you know key injuries happen to certain people, then your season is lost. Uh, yeah, no, I know all about lost season uh, due to injuries <laughs> at, the, at the moment. But it's uh, no on a day like today, it's nothing but optimism. Okay. I think. Let's end on that. Yeah. Let's end on an optimistic note. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Steve Broido. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Uh